FFM Productions presents Two Wild Orchids. Not your mother's podcast. <laughs> hello, hello. hello. <laughs> I'm Sean Lee. And I'm Lauren. And we are, it's your blind. And we are the Two Wild Orchids. And this is the place you want to come for sex and fun. And not botany. And not flowers. That is not us. No. <laughs> Unless you want to give us flowers, that's fine. I take gifts. Ah. But they got to be good. Yeah, they got to be real good. Real good. I haven't talked to you all week. How are you? What's going on? Like, as a small side note, I have to tell you uh-huh. something. So you know how I am with my tea. Right. I love drinking tea and I love big mugs of tea. I don't like the small teacup because it's not enough tea. So I always make myself one big mug of tea and then I make a second big mug of tea, but I never drink the full second mug. Okay, wait, wait. Doesn't your tea get cold though? Because I like little cups of coffee because my big cups of coffee get cold. Yes. Yeah, so wait for it. Oh, okay. I didn't know this was part of the story. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I don't drink coffee. So you know how when you make filtered coffee, you American. one of those coffee, I don't even know what you call them. The, like a the coffee, coffee pot? Pots, where you, yeah, where you put all the ground the coffee ground? at the bottom and then you let it steep for a while and then you push the filter thing down. Oh, a French press, a French press. There you go, a French press. So I was like, wait, I could totally use this for tea. So I put two tea bags in the French press with a whole lot of hot water, warmed up some milk in the microwave, <laughs> popped it in the French press, let it steep, and then just push the French press down, and I have a whole French press of tea. You have a whole pitcher stay full of tea. <laughs> oh, I know. It's amazing. <laughs> I was like, how have I never thought about this before? You know, that's an invention. Nobody can use it. Lauren thought of it. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just French pressed the fuck out of my tea bags. <laughs> you could do that with loose tea, too. You'd actually expand your horizon a little bit. That's true. I am a bit lazy and just buy tea bags, but I could buy a loose tea. But this is how you do it, because now you, you can be lazy. You have a French press tea. <laughs> I was like, this is genius. Why have I never done this before? Well, the same reason you probably didn't microwave the milk before. <laughs> also true. <laughs> oh, yeah, because Lauren has just started microwaving the milk. There was a discussion about no. that, I think, last week. No, because only because I've decided to drink more milky tea these days. I mean, it sounds very British with milky tea. But usually okay. I'd make tea with just full hot water and then a dash of milk. And that's how I drink my tea. And I was like, I kind of want it a little bit more milky. But when you add the milk, it makes it cold. So Which like, if oh. you leave it in that big teacup, it leaves it cold. So I don't see how yes. this is different. It's just getting you there faster. Yes. What I said to you was making the tea in the teacup. Then pouring the cold milk into the teacup and then putting the whole teacup in the microwave, which is unnecessary which, because I could be heating up the milk while I was steeping the tea. I don't know who told you to do that, but they are brilliant, I bet. They are genius. <laughs> I'm veganish. Okay, I'm kind of yeah. like a plant-based <laughs> diet girl. And you are Vegan-ish like, what do they call you? is very true. I'm a meat eater. I'm like You're- the carnivore they created when we created the wheel. from. I've never around. seen anyone eat so much meat as you eat. <laughs> That's really funny on a podcast of sex. I've never seen you eat so much meat. <laughs> Let's be clear. <laughs> oh, my God. But no, when you came and stayed with me, we had bacon every day, like every single day yes, for a month. We were here. I feel like that's basically a staple diet of mine. I usually make bacon every morning anyway. Like I eat bacon every day. And then oh usually God. for dinner, I eat some piece of a cow. Or a lamb. I've seen you eat lamb chops quite a bit. Or a lamb. Yes. So the irony is you're like a 100 pounds soaking wet on a good day. You eat bacon every single day. Yes. Yeah. I just wanted the world to know so that we could judge you. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, oh, so we are judging now. Okay. So we're just, well, you know, you we said no judging. judging. I said not listeners, much. <laughs> but we'll judge each other. Don't worry. There you go. There you go. And if there's anything that you want to judge us about, you could send us an email. We're happy to take your judgment. Except about how high you think my cholesterol is, because I don't give a fuck. <laughs> the irony is you probably have low fucking cholesterol. I do have super low cholesterol. <laughs> Someday we're going to tell them the story about how you were struck by lightning, and that's going to clear it up for everyone. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll yeah, that's that in another episode. <laughs> that's why you can eat animals every day. <laughs> but obviously my body is craving more calcium now. Because I'm not eating animal bones. I'm just eating the flesh. So that's why I have more monkey tea. No, maybe your body's just craving more animal byproducts. <laughs> just, I mean, can I be possibly more of a carnivore? Well, that's why, you know, it's like your body's like, okay, look, we're not getting enough animal byproducts. Let's figure out a way that we can get, oh, her tea. Let's start there. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Because she does drink about six cups of tea a day before and, and after if, her bacon and before and right. after her. So we can sandwich in these animal products in between <laughs> your teeth. It's going to be great. You called me, and I think this is very funny, and I want you to tell the story, because when you called me on your way home a few minutes ago. Yes, I was slightly panicked, and I'll tell you why. Because sort of in a flurry of leaving my house this morning, I left my wallet at home. As you know, my whole life is in my wallet, including right. my driver's license. is in your wallet. So I was like, okay, driving to work will be fine driving around to site will be fine. And then I popped in to visit my parents and I had a few glasses of wine with my mom. And then I thought, oh God, it's a Friday night and I'm driving back to my house, which is about 20 minutes away from my parents. But Friday night is roadblock central. And don't forget, you have to go down a mountain. Yeah, so I, well, I have to go around the mountain. Around the mountain. I've not been to Lauren's place in Cape Town. She hasn't invited me. <laughs> I have totally invited you. You <laughs> haven't got your arson gear and got here. So you know, tomato, tomato. <laughs> Anyway, so I did phone you because I was like, oh, my God, I don't have my driver's license on me. I don't want to be stopped by the cops. Like, what should I do? And you were like, oh, my God, this is easy. <laughs> okay, well, okay, because oh. here's the thing. So wait, let me pause you. What they don't know about us is that we are big proponents of the law of attraction. Like, we get it. If you think about it, you bring about it. It's just that simple. <laughs> so and, you and were that's so what I was funny. worried about. So I phoned you because in my head... I was attracting the cops to stop me because I didn't have my driver's license on. 100%. 100%. And I'm like, I need you to talk me off this ledge because I know that if I keep thinking it, it will happen. Yes. And I have the most genius idea. This is another invention. Yeah. This is a Shawnee invention. Nobody gets credit for it. Okay. It is right. the best goddamn invention ever. <laughs> oh, thanks. Okay. Fucking so here's what genius. I do. So I have to give a little backstory to it. Otherwise, I sound like a crazy person. So the theory of the law of attraction is what you think about comes to you. If you think that your keys are lost, they could be sitting in front of you and you won't see them because you're not in sync with your keys. That's the basics. In my mind, that works in everything. So now when I get in the car, I make a decision that I'm invisible. I'm invisible to police officers unless I need them. And so I've, since I've done that, I've never been pulled over. I've never been stopped. Nobody's flashing their lights at me. Nothing. So I told you to pretend you were invisible. It, and it was genius. In that, that moment, I was Harry Potter with his invisibility cloak on and Jesus, I couldn't do any wrong. I was like, I'm just going to drive home and this is going to be totally fine. And did I pass two cops on the way? Yes. Had they stopped other people? Yes. Did they stop me? No. Because you're invisible. I know. I was like, well, 
I need is a magic coffin now. The fun thing about life, and I observe this of people, in that they get all hung up in what you were doing. And, oh, my God, what if I get pulled over? Oh, exactly. I'm like, no, what? let's make a game of it. Because yeah, here's the exactly. thing. And that's why I phoned you. I needed you to get yeah. me out of my head because I knew that if I thought it, it was going to manifest that way. And that's exactly what I didn't want to happen. So, but I love that you passed two cops on the way. And you're like, no, you can't see me. I'm going to speed on by. Bye. tell you the way when this happened because this is how I made the decision that it had to be a cop that I needed I was in Tampa one day I forget what I was looking for and my nav had driven me and I call her serendipity by the way because she's got her own mind and sometimes we get there and sometimes we don't so I'm driving in circles trying to find this building and I'm in a parking lot like of a restaurant you know I've kind of turned in she's weaved me in and out of this you know shopping center if you will and I see a cop and I'm like oh I must need him because I see him I think he sees me and so (laughs) I stop him he's on a motorcycle i stop him and i roll down my window uh, let's say it was walmart like i can't remember what i was looking for do you know where i can find walmart and i'm not kidding you he starts laughing at me just stands there staring in my face and on his motorcycle laughing at me and i'm looking at him like okay crazy cop i know i said i needed you but you know hey and literally he takes his body and he leans to the left and behind him is this big giant sign on a big giant building and it was walmart <laughs> and i was like oh I clearly needed oh, you. Like, I lost my keys, except it was a big giant building that I couldn't I, see. That I couldn't see. I couldn't see this big building with a big name. I mean, it was like blazing. You couldn't miss it, but I could miss it that day. That's my new mantra from now on. Like, I'm invisible unless I need you. Oh, and if you ever get pulled over, you have to make fun, and then they won't give you a ticket. That's the other thing. If it ever happens that you forget you're invisible. So before I started doing the invisible thing, I went to Oklahoma. This about two or three years ago. And at the time, the car I had in Florida, Florida was a two-seater red convertible Mercedes. Okay, flashy oh, that's car. That's pretty obvious. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. I mean, <laughs> I if you're looking for a car to pull over, this is the car. But I never got pulled over. I go to Oklahoma, and I have to drive from my sister's house near Lawton, Oklahoma, to Oklahoma City, which is about an hour and a half. I'm on the road 10 minutes. And by the way, I'm driving a beige pickup truck. A beige <laughs> pickup truck. It's like I'm a chameleon. You shouldn't be able to see me, but I get pulled over. I'm laughing because I think this is the funniest thing I've ever heard. I'm in a beige pickup truck in Oklahoma where pickup trucks are everywhere and I get pulled over. But in Florida, in my two seater convertible red Mercedes, Nobody sees me. And so the cop I'm just walks laughing up. at the fact that you're in a pickup truck because Oh my god, can you drive in that bitch one? like I stole it? <laughs> <laughs> just just very briefly so that everybody knows. Shanley's about I'm gonna say five foot four on a good day. I'm five two and a half. Unless she's sitting on two telephone books, she can't see over the dashboard. They make seats that let you see now to scoot really far up. Well, you're driving like little T-Rex arms in front of the pickup truck. That's exactly right. So he gets there. And at the time, I was still doing my Facebook Live shows every day at 3 o'clock. So I'm in full makeup, full hair, driving my happy ass to Oklahoma City in a pickup truck. And he walks up, and I'm laughing. And I think, he must think I'm crazy. And he looks at me and said, I don't think you understand. Okay, I can't even say a word to me yet. I'm like, let me tell you where I live. And let me tell you what I, what's happening here. So he's looking at me like, okay, crazy lady. And he says, he says, whose truck is this? I said, it's my sister's. He said, do you have insurance? I said, I'm sure she does. She's very responsible. And so... <laughs> So when he goes back to his car to run my license, I think, okay. So I pull out my business card. He comes back and I say to him, here's the thing. I'm kind of a big deal. (laughs) I'm not even kidding. And I said, before you give me this ticket thing you think you're going to give me, can we take a selfie? I'm not even kidding you. (laughs) It's on my Facebook. I got a warning. 
and a, and a fan. <laughs> you got a warning and a fan. Yes. Wow. Okay, I'm going to try that. That if you forget the invisible thing, there's Plan B. You're welcome. I am not forgetting that invisible thing. Jesus. <laughs> it's like you're a superhero. I know. I'm already a superhero because I got struck by lightning, and I'm an invisible superhero. Right. <laughs> oh my God! You know what you got? You're like because I just listened to the Power Ranger thing. You got tagged by I don't know Voltron or Zoltron or some shit, and now you're a superhero. That's why you got struck by lightning. It's like when you're gifted a power. Ta-da! Yeah. You know what? That should have been your logo, like the Harry Potter <laughs> lightning bolt. That should have been your logo. Yeah, that's true. You know what? We'll do something for FFM Productions. How about that? Yeah, that's a good idea. We'll do coffee mugs with Lauren's lightning bolt. <laughs> <laughs> Picture of my face with the lightning bolt on it. Uh, no, I was thinking more like just the lightning bolt. What, yeah, an ego? Let's put your face yeah. on it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't want my face on there. <laughs> yeah, so Lauren's like, and let me show you my lightning bolt face. You know what? We'll let our listeners decide what it should be. Do you think maybe we should get started? We said we were going to cover jealousy because sexual jealousy apparently is a big deal. I think people die from it or something. Well, they do. They have those crimes of passion. You watch My Favorite Murder. I know. That's true. Crimes of passion to me are completely bizarre. I'm like, listen, if you're going to kill someone, don't fucking get caught. <laughs> Seriously. Or just say pineapple and find a friend. And that's it. If you say pineapple, we know we need to bring shovels because we got to hide a body. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you ever get a text message from a friend of yours that says pineapple, go to your shop. That's shed, what it means. Get a few shovels. Put your boots on. This is where you, you know, test your, the boundaries of your friendship. Dirt. That's it. That's it. This is yeah, where you test the boundaries. Like, do you have a truck that I can borrow for this weekend because I'm moving? No, pineapple. Pineapple means, you know what? He did something. <laughs> and <Yeah>. we're going <laughs> to And we're not going to get caught. By God. We watched enough crime shows, favorite murder. I think we can get away with it. I like DNA. I know we got to wipe everything down. I watched Dexter. Yeah. yeah. Shower caps, plastic gloves, boots. Yeah, we got this shit. Okay, and I live in Florida. There's the Everglades. Alligators are hungry. That is very true. But they don't <laughs> decay meat. They like fresh meat. <laughs> so make sure if you're going to kill somebody and hide the body, do it quick so they're hungry. Or bring some spice. A nice little, little sauce. <laughs> oh, my God. A little steak and chop spice. <laughs> <laughs> so we know that crimes of passion happen because of jealousy, but you said that you don't understand it, but you don't have jealousy, or do you? No, I've never kind of felt jealousy, and we briefly touched on the difference between jealousy and envy. Yes, yes. Do you want to remind them? I mean, I think that's quite an important discussion to have because they are very different. Mm-hmm. Yes. I gave you an example, and you had a great way to explain it. Yeah, and when I was dancing, I would look at other ballerinas and I wouldn't be jealous because they were better than me. I would appreciate their skill set and just want to become as good as them. So, but envy says, I want what you have. And jealousy says, I'm afraid of losing what I have. So jealousy essentially stems from fear. <laughs> yeah. Listen, jealousy Captain Obvious. Actually... <laughs> yeah, thank you, Captain Obvious. You know what? You should put that on your invisibility cloak. Okay. <laughs> Lots of people think it's an emotion and it's not. Jealousy is more like stew. It's whatever you throw in the pot. It's anger. It's fear. It's insecurity. It's childhood shit. And you mix it all together and ta-da, you have jealousy. 
Oh, but that's and, just bloody awful. I mean, that's a terrible it, stew. And it's an awful stew. Some people call it complex emotions. Some people call it secondary. Endgame is there's a lot wrapped up in this little stew that we're having. But the reason I want to talk about this early is as we do this podcast is because jealousy is something that other people feel ashamed of. So like we were teasing about not judging before, but people, if they feel jealous, they don't think they should. Everybody thinks you're a rock star right now because you don't ever have jealousy. I personally was consumed by it for a very long time. And when you're jealous, it's like, it's a shame space. You don't want anyone to know you're jealous because you feel out of control. That's the other part of the stew. That's kind of the salt and pepper in there or, or the base even of it is control. And so if I say to you, Lauren, I'm mad. That's okay. If I say yeah, I'm sad, you know, yeah. But if someone yeah, says they're like, jealous. If you say to me, you're jealous about mm-hmm. something. Uh-huh. I don't understand what you're saying to me. If you say to me, like, I'm mad about this. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. that's fine. I understand the concept of anger and you're cross because something happened and somebody was wrong or somebody was right. Or if you say yep. you're sad or I'm scared upset you or you're scared, but when you say I'm jealous, I'm like, I, uh, like, I don't so, know what that means. Cause I always look at what the world does with certain things because like we, like we talk about sex because sex is such a shameful topic for so many people and we want to bring it to the front and the awareness that anything you do in the bedroom, as long as everyone is a consenting adult is a hundred percent. Okay. Agreed. And, Absolutely. It, yeah. But when you think about jealousy, they call it the green eyed monster and monsters for little kids live under the bed or in closets. Yes, and are bad, and yeah, and you're right, and shameful, and just yeah. something that you don't want to let out. And you don't want to let anybody like, know that you have it. So some fun facts about it. Lots of people think that jealousy equals love. That's bizarre. <laughs> you know what? I used to think that. I used to, I really did. When, when Jason and I were first married, if you weren't jealous, it must mean you didn't care. Oh, I, I'm so confused. Give me an example. Like if you were talking to somebody else and Jason wasn't jealous of the fact that you were talking to someone else, it means that he didn't care about you. That's how I used to think. I worked many, many years to undo dangerous programming because we all get programmed by our moms and our dads and they're as fucked up as we are. And so when we have children, we fuck them up too. And so they fucked me up. And I believed that jealousy was a normal human emotion that everybody and everybody has some element of it, even if it's not as pronounced, but that it's a normal place of being. And so my mom was a jealous woman. She raised a jealous woman that this woman has worked really hard to untie a lot of those knots. But if Jason let me go talk to somebody like use that example, that must mean he doesn't care what I do. And if he doesn't care what I do, he must not care about me. And if he doesn't care, because if he cared, if he cares, he wouldn't let me talk to them. That's bizarre. If he cared, he would feel bad because I was. He would feel fear and he would feel anger and out of control because I was doing something with another man and he was not party to it. That's the basis of jealousy in a nutshell. It's, it's a like fear you're of trying loss. to explain astrophysics to me. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's jealousy is fear of loss, the feelings of out of control. That's why people have crimes of passion. That's why if you go into any of these Facebook groups, these marriage groups and read, I read some of the things women post, they lose their shit. I read a post just this morning. Okay, so if you and I are married for easy discussion, you got a text from your ex-girlfriend and then you sent that text to me. Mm-hmm. And now I'm mad because she texted you. That's jealousy in a nutshell. Okay, you're allowed to be mad because she texted me, but how does like jealousy come into play? The only reason you'd be jealous is if you thought that her and I were texting each other behind your back and you weren't privy to it. So jealousy isn't quite that logical. 
Okay, so you're speaking to logic here. <laughs> yeah. Jealousy has no logic because if it had logic, people could talk themselves out of it. I was at a convention not long ago and this topic came up and one of the discussion points was remembering that you're loved, remembering that your spouse loves you and remembering that everything's okay and that you're safe. Very logical arguments, but I think that when you're in an internal war, if you've got logic and emotion arguing, emotion always carries the ace. If you're in an internal poker game, emotion will always lay down and logic goes, I got nothing. I mean, I suppose it depends because like us two, as an example, I okay. say I'm the more logic one and you're the more emotional one. And that's not a bad thing on either side. Because it's way better to be emotional. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> so in my mind, logic always wins out because I'm like, the emotions don't achieve anything. They don't get results. Logic gets results. That is fucking fascinating like i can't even believe you just said that <laughs> like listen, yes i can feel angry yes i'm crying yes i can feel sad but in order to get myself out of those states of emotion i need to be logical about why i'm feeling like that so if i'm feeling sad because somebody insulted me or i'm feeling angry because somebody insulted me the only way for me to not be sad or not be angry is to go listen they insulted you what did you take such umbrage to, and was the insult true or was it not true? And if it wasn't true, brush it off. If it was true, do something about it. That's logic. That is the weirdest thing I've ever heard. No, and I, <laughs> and I know you're right. Like, I, I teach this stuff, so I get that you're right. So, But when you're in that emotional vortex, when you're in that spun-up state, you actually, little science here, you actually have a little gland in your head called your amygdala. And when you feel threatened, your amygdala gets hijacked. And literally the prefrontal cortex, the front of your brain flips over and you can't think when your jealousy is triggered. That's what it's like. You have no logic. Logic has left the building. There's nothing anybody can say or do to fix it. And so what people usually do, though, is they expect the other person to stop what they're doing. In other words, if I was talking to that guy and Jason had had jealousy, then the societal expectation, which I think is wrong, and I'd want to give some tools here. The societal expectation is that Jason, that I stop talking to that guy so Jason feels better. Rather than Jason owning his feelings of whatever it is I'm doing and being responsible for his feelings, then I should stop what I'm doing so he feels better. Yeah, because essentially you haven't done anything wrong. So what he's feeling is just a feeling that he needs to be in control of, sort of passing over to you and making you stop what you're doing unless you're hurting him in some way, which is right. kind of a separate discussion. But no, it's the same discussion because it begs the question, is there anything that if Jason has control of his emotions, is there anything that I could do to quote unquote hurt him or is he just hurting himself? Yeah. I mean, and that's the part that's hard for many people to grasp and certainly hard for me to grasp because I used to think he should stop whatever he was doing. And I was crazy. If he talked to a girl, I was losing my fucking mind. I would be all spun up in my head. And the worst part was, okay, here you go. When I would try to talk myself out of it on logic, I couldn't make sense of it. Jason and I, we were lifestylers for many years early in our marriage, which is swinging lifestyle. I mentioned that earlier. We were at a lifestyle party and he was kissing a girl across the room at a party that is designed for this. I would lose my mind. But you put yourself in a situation where Look, you I, essentially want this to happen and it's happening. So how are you having an adverse reaction to it? Did you hear the illogical part of this conversation? <laughs> yes, yes, sorry. <laughs> Hi, my name's Lauren. I'm very logical. Charlie, very emotional. But think about it, because here's what would happen, is I would try to talk myself out of it, which I think is what many people do. So I would say, Sean Lee, are you scared he's going to leave you? No. Do you know that he loves you? Yes. Like I would have all that logic dialogue and still be losing my shit. Okay, so how do you stop losing your shit then? 
ah, that is the question of the hour. And I have tools for next show. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Hold just on kidding. a second. Ruby, continue. Oh. <laughs> we want you to come back, so we're just going to leave your clip hanging right there. Okay. All right. So let's be clear. Why do you have jealousy? You have what, which I have always called cruels, chaotic, like, like being mean to yourself, except rearrange the spelling mm -hmm. because they're chaotic rules that run your life. And I had chaotic rules in my head. That's why people have conflict. That's why people flip out. It's only because your rules are violated. So when you think something should be a certain way and it's not, and you get upset, you have your rules violated. In other words, if Jason had a belief that I shouldn't have been talking to that guy and got jealous because of it, I violated his internal rule. I might be oblivious to it. No, that's fair. I have two things, and they're the only things that have ever worked for me. The first one is, is that when I felt jealous, I tried to think about a time, what else could I feel? What else could I choose to feel? Because that's the thing. You can choose your thoughts and you can choose your emotions, even in so, sex. So you decided to choose to feel something else in that moment. Yes, because I have a belief that I could like always feel good. You didn't like the way good. that you were feeling. Yeah, so right. I wanted to feel good, so you would so have changed the, how you were feeling. Right, so I thought, okay, how else could I possibly feel a lifestyle party? I could feel aroused. So I literally made a decision to feel aroused. And what happens in your brain is it rewrites over your program. You have that cruel running in the background, and now you're rewriting it. So you could have decided, as opposed to aroused, you could have decided just to feel, well, compersion. Yes. Just to feel happy that you were watching him with somebody else. Yes. And here's the thing. I'm not saying it's easy. I am saying it's simple. And it's just a matter of recognizing what your emotions are and being able to draw on them. So when I did that, I went in my mind to a really sexy experience that I'd had. And I focused there so that when I looked out, what I felt was the arousal. But what I saw was what he was doing. And so then it, it kind of just overwrote the program. But I think that's kind of the key here is you say it's simple and it's not easy. It's that first step of recognizing how you feel, because sometimes you might feel jealousy, but you don't know what it is. I can't imagine not knowing. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> okay. Are you kidding let's, me? I got, an, I got an A plus on my report card for that. Let's pretend that some people are watching the same situation that you're watching or they're in the same situation you are and they're having this icky feeling inside. Mm -hmm. but they don't know what it is. Mm -hmm. They have to recognize what that icky feeling is before they can change it. True, but I think it's a good rule of thumb, period. For example, go back to your ballerina example, all right? If you were watching a ballerina who had a higher skill set than you and you felt envy, then you would just know it didn't feel good. So how else could you feel? You could feel determined. I think it's a good tool for any time you have, you know, negative emotion is there Or for a reason. It's every time you're feeling a negative emotion, you can translate that into a more positive emotion. Yeah, you just Regardless have Regardless of whatever the negative emotion is. I mean, it can be jealousy, it can be anger, it can be rage. See, anger and rage, I don't know if I can get out like that. You're right. I'm a pretty emotional being. But may, I guess I must have at some point because I did manage to get past jealousy and that used to be really debilitating for me. Yeah, because also, I mean, you said earlier, Jealousy is the stew pot that's got a dollop of anger in it. It's got a yes. cup of fear. It's got a few sprinklings mm -hmm. of loss or whatever. So if you can change the taste of the stew, you should be able to change each of the individual ingredients. Yes. So there's that's one technique I've used. And it's the one that works for me because logic didn't. 
So even now, if I have moments of jealousy, I know what to do with it. We talked the other day about compersion. Compersion is the most beautiful feeling you'll ever have. I swear to God. And I think it's because it's the purest love you can ever have. It's such a blissful feeling. I aim for that. You should aim for that in everything because compersion is just, you can find joy and bliss in watching anything. Now, okay, let's play with this a second. Let's pretend for the sake of discussion that you had a stew and we've labeled that stew jealousy. You and I are in a relationship and you see me talking to another girl and you have a stew show up. How would you logically talk yourself out of that? I would ask myself, why am I feeling this way? And what do I think that you have done in order to make me feel this way? And the answer ah. to that is nothing because you haven't done anything. Ah, but I'm in this case, this way because of me. No, time out. That's how the jealous mind works. The answer to that would have been you're talking to this girl and you know I don't like it. That's how the jealous brain works. If I've said to you, you can't talk to any other girls and you go and you talk to another girl, that's a different thing. No, that's jealousy. Well, it's also violating an agreement, but you get my point. Exactly. <laughs> that's just violating an agreement. So, so now I'm not jealous. Now I'm just angry at you because obviously you don't understand. But then it begs the question, why did you tell me not to talk to her? Because you felt jealous. No, I don't. I don't know what the back history to that is. I mean, if it's a specific person or whatever. I'm, t- I'm trying to find an example if and when I ever felt jealous. I, like I can't seem to find one. I'll tell you what. This is this is a good example, and this is what a lot of my girlfriends talk about. They have quite strict rules about their husbands and strip clubs because they don't like their husbands going to strip clubs. Which is ridiculous. But go ahead. Yeah, I agree with that, and I have asked them why a number of times. So what do they say? The answer is always, well, because I don't want my husband to be around anyone more beautiful than me. It makes me jealous. I'm like, okay, but I don't know. It makes you insecure. Yeah. This is an onion in the fucking pot of jealousy. So I'm like, okay, well, it makes you insecure and the insecurity makes you jealous. But I don't understand how you can be jealous of someone, A, you've never even seen. You don't know. Your husband loves you. He's married to you. He's coming home to you. You win. You and all your logic, man. Having been where I was to sit where I am, I do see both sides of the coin. I really do. But that was when that was a game changer for me, right? In the beginning, it was changing my emotions, but then it was the awareness that what he was doing had nothing to do with me. So when I speak on stage, I always give this example. It's my favorite. That if Jason is across town having sex with a 5'10 blonde, I got two choices. I can flip out and cry and scream and yell and raise a lot of cane and make myself miserable and not feel good. Or... I can hope he's having a good time. And whichever one I pick is 100% determined by how I want to feel because nothing I do or say in that moment is going to fix him doing what he's doing across town. No, exactly. It's not going to change what he's doing. Yes. So when I figured out that when I would see him kiss a girl, it was not about him. It was about how I felt about me. That was a game changer for me. As we're talking it through, I feel like that base ingredient to jealousy is insecurity. 100%. It's a feeling of not being good enough. That is the two cups of flour that mm-hmm. you use to make the cake. Yes. Like, Insecurity the is the one. base and, of it, for sure. Yeah. And then and okay, control. you can add some anger and a lack of control. Because that's the first thing people want to do. When they feel jealous, they want to control the environment. That's the immediate reaction. Stop doing that so I feel better. Yeah. We're leaving the party because I don't feel good. So you, you change the, you control the environment instead because the inside environment is so out of control. The thing with jealousy is obviously because it's quite a pertinent subject within relationships. And mm-hmm. I think it's, it's prevalent in relationships. Okay. Maybe I'm just an anomaly. Yeah. But you were struck by lightning. 
<laughs> people use it in relationships to garner more. Like some couples within a relationship will try and make each other jealous of what they're doing. Mm. So that it feels like they love each other more. Does that make sense? Because, yes, because go back to the first thing I said. If yes, you're not exactly. jealous, you must if not love not jealous, me. Yeah. So let me make you jealous. And this can prove to me that you love me. That you love me. Yeah. It is bizarre. When I tell people that I'm Polly, the very first question I always get is, how do you do you not get jealous? And I'm the first one to say, oh, hell yeah, I do. <laughs> but you got to have tools, man. And I don't as much anymore. But for a long time, I did. First tool. And the second tool, Lauren, you're going to love my second tool. You're going to find ways to be jealous just so you get to use my tool. <laughs> is it better than the invisibility cloak? Because I doubt it. It is so much better than the invisibility cloak. <laughs> Okay. Now I want to be clear. Lauren and I have my degrees in interpersonal communication. <laughs> I don't have a and, psychology degree. No, and, and I'm an architect. <laughs> okay. So we don't fucking know what we're talking about as I tell you this next thing to do. Okay. So, so but do it or don't do it. You decide. You're, you're welcome to try it. It works for me. Okay. So check it out. Anytime I have a niggling cruel, right? For example, Jason playing alone at one point used to really, the idea of it would make me crazy. Even if he never did it. This is where people get caught in their own loop is I was afraid of how I thought I might feel. I'm afraid of how you thought you might feel. Right. So like there's nothing to fear so with yourself. You're not even feeling it yet. You're, nope. you're fearing a feeling you may or may not have. Anytime he ever brought up the idea of playing alone back when we were in the lifestyle, which playing alone for, for people, it means that he would have sex with someone else and I would not be there. It made me so uncomfortable. Like I couldn't make sense of it in my brain. I get so upset because I was scared of how I thought I might feel when he was off doing whatever he was doing. I was terrified of it. You know, it's like you never know anything fear, but fear itself. I was just scared of how I thought it might happen. Anyway, what I started to do was have orgasms about it. Okay. Here's my tool. This one a little bit further. <laughs> okay. So if you can take anything in your life that is not working for you, and you can rewrite it in a really fun space, it stops being a cruel. It stops being painful. It breaks that record, if you will. Because when you are scared of something, like Jason playing alone, or somebody going to the strip club, in the same dialogue, your friends who are afraid of it. If she finds a way to go in her brain at the moment of orgasm, like you can be thinking about anything you want, fantasizing about whoever you want to fantasize about, talking about whatever you want to talk about. And I think sex talk is God's gift to sex. But when you're masturbating, I think when it's the most effective, because there's nobody else involved in, the, in it, you can be very internally focused. If you can picture that happening while you're having an orgasm, it will actually overwrite your negative fears. You have to do it several times. Not like one time, one and done. That's not what oh, I'm saying. You know, when you're masturbating and you're bringing yourself to the point of orgasm, you don't have negative thoughts in your head. You only have positive thoughts in your head. So exactly in there, but it's not negative when you bring it in there then, because you're not feeling negative. Remember a negative thought is a negative feeling. You're already feeling good. So when you bring the thought into a good feeling, the good feeling overwrites thought. Okay. At least that's how it worked in my brain. Let me just say that. Well, so if we can just have some of our listeners try this out and let us know how it works. That would be great. Yes, I want to know. Okay, so yeah, we want to know <laughs> A, what did you want to overcome? B, well, yeah. did it work? And C, how many times did you try it? What were you jealous of to begin with? 
Right. And you can send that information to podcast at twowildorchids.com. And it's the number twowildorchids.com. And orchids has an S on it. Twowildorchids.com. We will talk about it on the show. I feel like it works. I use it for more than one thing. Sean will emotion her way out of it, and I will logic my way out of it. (laughs) And then we can see how well the orgasm goes. Well, you you should try the orgasm thing. Your hot buttons, whatever they – I wouldn't say use it with, like, your mom or anything, because that's just weird. Okay, but you're said, but now that you've got, <laughs> but I mean, your mother could push the buttons faster than anyone. But don't use it for your mom. That's just creepy. Or your siblings. Use it for your partner. I don't know. We leave this dirty underwear on the floor all the time. Whatever it is that pisses you off, just try it. <laughs> <laughs> Or you can just tell him to pick up his underwear. I mean, that's an option too. This is a woman who's. How long were you married the first time? <laughs> Six years. Okay, so do you remember having that fight? I was just like, if you don't pick up your underwear off the floor, it's not going to get washed. That's how it goes at my house. But I did a survey once on relationships. I wanted to, for my work, I wanted to know what the number one thing people thought about was, and the number one thing was housework. And I was stunned. That, I thought, that's I thought, bizarre. Fight about sex. It's way more exciting. <laughs> yeah, and then at least you can have like angry sex, makeup sex. Yeah, then there's an orgasm involved. Yeah, and you can and you can, to the orgasm. There you go. You can and you can and you can be happy. <laughs> That's it. You'd be happy. The underwear's on the floor. Oh, that means he's naked. Okay, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he just has no clean underwear. <laughs> exactly. Oh, he's gonna be mad later. And you have the orgasm. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, I think that you can. I think that you can. If you decide how you want to feel, that's what works for me. Although Lauren wants to talk herself out of it with some thoughts or something. Okay. <laughs> I can't imagine that working, but okay, fine. You know, it never worked for me, but I'm, but you can talk yourself out of mad. How many times have you seen me mad? A couple. <laughs> no, no. Yes. I mean, I'm yes. talking about mad, mad. Like, yeah, a couple. Mad. No. A couple. Now, remember that one time when we were texting and you got really mad at me? Yeah. Okay. That time. <laughs> you couldn't talk yourself out of mad. You were mad at me for like two days. That's true. Then I stopped texting because I was like, this is nuts. I need to talk myself out of this. <laughs> yeah, okay. When you go down the rabbit hole, you're pretty fucked. Yeah, that's it. That's it. The law of attraction will take you there. So you may as well just, just fucking hold on. Okay. Don't go down the rabbit hole. Which is why you want to get yourself out of jealousy before it happens. Like you have to have a plan. Maybe that's the difference is I had a plan for what I was going to do. In other words, I knew that if I could feel a different way, I'd feel better. So I picked arousal the next time I felt it. I had had the plan for it before it happened. And the orgasm thing, I didn't do it after there was a conflict about anything. I did it when I was by myself in a good space and softened into that space as opposed to fighting it. And I think that's what people do is they fight against their own emotions rather than softening into them and allowing them to just be what they are. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Like if you are feeling emotional, you actually just have to ride the wave. Yes, because all you do is stuff that shit. Yeah, the longer you fight against it, the further down the rabbit hole you are going to go and the harder it is to get out. Right. And sexual jealousy, I think, tops everything because there's so much wrapped up in it. So look at it from a different perspective. You've got the whole thing with the girls and the strip club. Okay. That on some level to me is a sexual, I mean, I get it's insecurity, but there's a sexual jealousy there. They think they're sexier. They think they're more attractive to their partner than, yeah, than the wife exactly. is for that. The wives are worried that the man's going to get home and now look at his wife and go, she's not as pretty. She's not as sexy. Her bum's not as pert. Her boobs aren't as big. You know what? Here, I just want to say this to all the women out there who have a problem with their men going to strip clubs. Let him go. 
it's the safest place in the world for him. Yeah. Let him go and listen. At the end of the night, he's coming home to you, sweetie. You have won. That's it. And he's going to have hot sex with you. And who cares what got him there? You get the benefit of it. I don't want him to get turned on by somebody else. Why not? You get the benefits. See, this is where I get very logical. I go, why not? Well, you see, there you go. Exactly. <laughs> Trip clubs never scared me because I know the girls there were always after the money. They were there to do their job. Your husband is not the first person to, to have a lap dance that night and will not be the and last certainly, one. Exactly. He won't be the last one. You have to think about it as a transaction. It's like you're going to the bank. It's like you're paying for entertainment. It's a round of golf for them. It's going to watch a movie and buying some popcorn. Yeah, Jason's friend, uh, his best friend, used to always say that all he ever wanted was a beer and to see something naked. They would go out and, what do you, I want a beer and to see something naked. I was like, wow, okay, classy. (laughs) I wish life was that simple. Right? Lauren, that's all we need to be happy. Naked and beer. Naked and beer. So, okay, let me see if there's anything else I wanted to say about jealousy, because I think it's I think it's such an important topic. I was like, ah, there's good jealousy and there's bad jealousy, because all we have ever talked about so far is the bad jealousy, when it's really bad. But good jealousy, what I define as good jealousy, is when you see a girl checking your husband out, and you're like, yeah, he's going home with me. That feeling, like, that's good jealousy. I don't know what else to label that as, but in my mind, yeah. that's good jealousy. I don't like the term good jealousy, because jealousy has negative connotations. Well, then we have to change the mindset. Hello, we're two wild orchids. That feeling is great. If I'm out with my partner and I see other women looking at him, I'm like, uh-huh, oh yeah, he's mine. You so what's that called? you want. Okay, what's that called? I don't know. Maybe it's a feeling of pride. Maybe, maybe. Okay, so we, so we only have bad jealousy and pride. Well, pride also has negative connotations as well. I was going to let you get there. <laughs> <laughs> So the other thing is, while you're working that idea... Oh, no, but you know what? No, that's essentially compersion. You're getting joy out of a situation. No, compersion says you're getting joy watching someone you love get joy. And I'm watching my partner being oogled by other girls. He's enjoying the oogling, and I'm enjoying watching them oogle him. Okay, what if he's oblivious to the oogling? What if he's He's buying the movie popcorn? He's a man. He's not. You're just this like compersion to be in the definitions. <laughs> I have one last thing to say about jealousy, and that's this. If you're jealous, and this is a hard lesson, man, it's you. It's not their fault. You want to blame them. Now, let me be clear. If you have somebody and the agreements between you is that you guys are monogamous and they're cheating on you, I get it. But it's still how you feel about what they're doing. Go back to the 510 Blonde example. But at the end of the day, if you're jealous, you got to get a hold of you and not Expect them to change their behavior to make you feel better, or else you're always going to be asking them to change their behavior to make you feel better, which never puts you in the power position. It always makes you very powerless. If you have to depend on somebody else to make you feel good, you're always going to say you're always going to feel bad. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So that is all I have on jealousy today. We've covered shame. We've covered strip clubs. We want them to send us their orgasm. <laughs> their <laughs> orgasm okay. behavior modification. Yeah. <laughs> Send us the story, then tell us how the orgasm helped it. Right. So the other thing we want to know that you can share with us, because we told you in the beginning, we're not going to judge you much, is, and really not at all. I'm just teasing. Yeah, no, there really is no judgment. There really is not. I'm writing a children's series on no judgment. We don't judge. You're probably going to send us something that both of us have been through or experienced in our life as well. You make us sound like whores. I didn't say (laughs) whore. I just said experienced. (laughs) 
I'm just saying. Jesus. You see, so, see what the judgment is. It's only on us. Don't worry. It's to the us. 24 million people listening to this podcast right now, your situation is something one of us has experienced. Okay. <laughs> or, or we know someone who has, or we'll just talk about it like we have. But one of the things that I know that was very troubling for Jason, and that's why I want to make sure that all of our listeners have an outlet here. If you have really hot sex, you can call me up and I can get a play-by-play. And it's really cool to be able to have that kind of conversation. But when you're in a situation like if you're a non-monogamous couple or you don't have any close friends that you can talk about, like, you know, oh, my God, I did this and it was so hot. Send us a look. We'll talk about it. Yeah, no, send it to us. If you want us to talk about it, we'll talk about it. You can totally be anonymous. And we want to hear about your experience with your orgasm changing your mind. Or maybe something that you want to do that you don't necessarily know how to broach with your partner. I really want to try this and you don't know how to ask for it. Yes, 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 yes. Because that's always a very difficult thing in relationships. Like sometimes somebody wants to do something, but they don't know how to start that conversation. Yeah, I would say that's true. Like I said, I attended that BDSM convention a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, if you all of a sudden decide you want to be tied up to the wall and and wearing a tiara, a baby diaper, and getting spanked, you know what? That might be a conversation that's a little hard to open. Even anything. Listen, I have friends that won't even ask their partners to blindfold them. Oh, wow. So, I mean, we're talking about the actual basics here. Like, if you want to wear a corset and you want to ask him to bring a riding crop home, (laughs) we'll, we'll start the conversation. We'll give you the dialogue. Here's how you ask for that. There are topics that everyone has a little bit of, oh, I don't really want to talk about that right now, in their head. But if you're going to be in a relationship, even if it's just a sexual relationship, you need to make sure that you're getting your needs met, whatever they are. Well, exactly. And you can't be afraid of what your needs are. Or if you're afraid to ask them to be met, or you just don't understand how to ask for them to be met, let us help you. We've got a few minutes, but let's just play with this for a second. So what happens, and I don't know the answer to this, by the way. So before I ask the question, I want you to know I don't have a canned response here. Your lover comes home and says, I want to wear a corset, and I want you to bring home a riding crop. What do you do when you're 100% uncomfortable with that? Then you have to open the dialogue and be like, listen, actually, that makes me uncomfortable. And can we talk about why you want that? And can we talk about why it makes me uncomfortable? I think what excites me so much about this podcast is making sex a really safe space. That's exactly it. Because it's not like, please bring a cheesecake home. And your partner says, well, no, I don't like cheesecake. (laughs) Exactly right. Could you bring a riding crop home? You know, I I, I need you to do that. And I'm going to get a leather corset. Oh, I want the kind where the boobs are cut out. Yeah, it's a little bit more vulnerable. It's a little bit more naked. Vulnerable is a good word because a lot of elements of sex require vulnerability. What element of sex doesn't? I mean, I'm not like bagging on you. Really, I can't think of a single thing that isn't even just heterosexual monogamy or sorry, heterosexual missionary. There's a moment where as a woman, you have to open your leg. You have to be willing to allow that space. I think that every part of it's vulnerable. And look at the guy. If he doesn't stay hard, he's in a vulnerable space. But I think as we talk about that missionary sex, that is the sort of standard sex play that is socially acceptable. And that Mm -hmm. is what you can discuss. Because that is just what everybody does, let's assume. The sort of more colorful elements right, are not necessarily what everybody does, and that's what's harder to talk about. I think the world is eager for the dialogue. Like Fifty okay, Shades of Grey. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, that was a rip-roaring success. You know why, right? It has to be because the sex was good, because the writing was no. good. No. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Do you remember who wrote that book? I can't think of her name right now. The woman who wrote Fifty Shades of Grey wrote fan fiction. 
is not the Twilight series. Yes, yes, yes. E.L. James, that's it. She wrote like Twilight Erotica or something. And so she had this huge following. And then when Fifty Shades of Grey was released, her fan fiction fans made it such a success. That's how it happened. Isn't that cool? Really? Because you're right. Yeah. The writing was not terrific. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're not going to win a Nobel Peace Prize. or No, but you take that all the way writing. to the bank. Well, yeah. Every housewife is sitting on the washing machine while they're reading it. And when you go into the sex stores now, there's the Fifty Shades of Grey BDSM line, if you will. You know, there's like a little crop and paddle. Yeah. And, and we need to be kind of thankful for that because it does allow people that's a little bit more, and I don't want to say mainstream, yeah, it's okay now it. to go buy a Fifty Shades of Grey blindfold or a Fifty yes. Shades of Grey pair of fluffy handcuffs or a Fifty Shades of Grey, you know, anything. Because right. it's 125 million books were sold. It is socially were. acceptable. It's, you know, yes. I, like, I don't know a BDSM brand, but let's call it BDSM brand. So you can go into the sex store and you can buy a blindfold from BDSM brand, which is CD. Or you can buy, oh, Fifty, 50 Shades, Shades of Grey. It's the same damn blindfold. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, as we get out of here today, if you're going to do it once, my God, do it twice. And if you're going to do it twice, take fucking photos. <laughs> <laughs> it's the two-hour orchids reminding you to stay tuned in. And stay tuned on.